Justin Madden's got the set. One hand. Oh, he's done it. Oh, oh. oh, the post is broken. Matthew's hit it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Oh, thank you very much to you, Matthew. G'day to you and to you right around the globe. As far as uh, the Northern Hemisphere, we're getting great responses of our This Is Your Footy Life series with the kindest regards at Tobin Brothers. And at the highest level, thousands have played the game. Some play and move on, others have more of an impact. They make a lasting impression that will be indelibly recorded in the history of the game forever, as such is the case with today's guest. This is a ripper, folks. Can you guess who it is? 257 AFL games for Collingwood and North Melbourne. That was between 1992 and 2006. A great career. 748 goals at an average of 2.91 and 13th all-time goal-kicking man. Collingwood best and fairest, 95. 10-time club-leading goal-kicker for an individual season. VFL-AFL Italian team of the century. Two-time Anzac Day medalist. He's also known as the Big Sav, the Savaloy. On 3RW is to call him Rocker by Baby. Big Sav, we've got you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's really lovely to speak to you. You've moved on in other directions, and we'll get to that later on. With the coming with the coming of the Anzac Day game, it really became a very special game to you, didn't it? Yes, and it does bring back a lot of memories, um, in particular, obviously, that first game. But it was such a special day. You know, for me, and obviously I think it is still for a lot of the players playing on the Anzac Day. Sav Rocker has joined us, folks. Do you see increased pressure on forwards not being able to kick big bags anymore? Or do you think the game can evolve, you know, with a lot of the tweaking of the, the interchange and that sort of thing, where once again we'll see a six-foot-eight bloke go against a six-foot-eight bloke in the goal square vying for the possession? What's your take on the current ro- uh, run of forwards? I don't like it. Um, you know, I spent a little bit of time down at Carlton last year and we had uh, one of the forwards run 14 kilometres for 14 possessions. And Goodness. Um, you know, it was, it was, you know, I don't know if I'd be able to play in this in this type of game and I, I wish we hadn't have moved away from the old style, but that's what it's done and I don't think it'll ever go back to, you know, that style of footy just because I think it's played a little bit more defensive style these days where everyone wants to get back and help the defence, so... I don't yeah. think we'll ever get back to the old ways. Oh, well, that you know, but we've just got great memories. What are your first memories of a young kid in a backyard in metropolitan Melbourne with your younger brother, Anthony? Take us back to your childhood and some of the dreams that you two boys shared that one day you might run on to the uh, highest level of football. Yeah, we played, obviously, a lot of backyard, and it was, uh, you know, on concrete. It wasn't on grass, um, and we used to have goals, which were between the the garage and the clothesline. So we used to, and, and it was back in the Peter Dacos days when we thought uh, we wanted to be like Peter Dacos. So a lot of balls dribbling on the ground and a lot of banana shots. It was never from straight in front. So, um, yeah, and, and, you know, never really had big aspirations to play in the AFL. I was always a, you know, a shot put and discus thrower in my early days. And it probably wasn't until I was, you know, 15, 16 that I started to, you know, play football and then and then have those aspirations. Yeah. Uh, Sav Rocker, that was at Reservoir Lakeside. The Diamond Valley Footy League is just mm. absolutely history-laden with some great names coming out of that valley. 
uh, and it was pro- quite serious football. Is that where you really learnt your footy before you went to Victoria Park? Yes, that's where I played. I played out at Resi Lakeside. Um, and, yeah, it was um, some pretty rough football out there in back of those days. So it was a big uh, big learning curve. I played mostly junior footy with uh, my last season playing up in the reserves. So yeah. it, was, uh, it was good times. Terrific. Uh, were you always a, a prodigious, a long kick of the football? Uh, always long, not necessarily straight in my early days. Yeah, but you made uh, good that later on. How, how did you actually, did you just think, I'm not getting as many chances that I've got to, I've got to actually, you know, develop into a, a better return for the shots I've got at the highest level? Is that the way it works? Uh, absolutely, because as a forward, you know, you might only get three, four, five shots a game, and if you can manage 4-1 instead of, you know, 2-3 or, or something like that. So it was, uh, you got to make sure that uh, you can you know, get more out of your return. And we had, you know, and I had uh, Peter McKenna come down in the early days, which, you know, certainly helped me a lot. And, you know, you know the likes of Dakes and all that trying yeah. to help me out too, was, it was really good. Well, I've had Dakes on it on, on this show. You know, it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to the champions of yesteryear. Uh, tell us about your early days at Victoria Park. Uh, they were just revered, Collingwood. They couldn't do any wrong. And, uh, with that adulation, at times can come a little bit of, uh, well, self, uh, well, just you're a little bit okay with yourself. But did you find that that the adulation you had to put it to one side and you still had to work very hard, obviously? Absolutely. Um, not coming from a football background and and having run a lot, I never, you know, the most I'd ever run was a, a lap to warm up of the the athletics track sort of thing. So I had to work really hard on fitness. Um, and coming from, you know, an individual sport, I found it very difficult for the first three or four years to actually come away from that. And, you know, there are, there are you know, 40 other guys on the team, on the extended team, that you had to really put time into other people. And that's something that I felt really difficult because all I did in the past was actually just concentrate on myself. Yeah. What, what, was yeah. there a point, Sav Rocker, at Victoria Park where you say, I'm just not here to sort of make up the numbers. I reckon I can make a real impact. Uh, you know, you started to, in, in 91, but by 93, you know, in 20 games, you kicked 73 goals. So you were reasonably uh, getting reasonable returns for your effort. You must have thought, I reckon I can go on with this. It was um, midway through my first year in 92 where I started playing two games and then you know, it was an emergency in one game, and I thought, wow, you know, I'm a lot closer than what I actually thought. And then, uh, you know, I think that happened for two weeks, and then the following week, <clears throat> excuse me, after that, uh, Lee put me in the side and, and started me on the bench, and then I got to the game, and then he told me that I was starting on the field, and that certainly drew the nerves up a little bit more. But, um, oh, yeah. you know, it, it, was, um, it was a very quick uh, learning curve for me. Saverio Rocker joins us on This Is Your Footy Life for Tobin Brothers Celebrating Lives. We're celebrating the amazing football life of Saverio Rocker, one of the biggest names in the game. And uh, while you were just starting off, uh, as you said earlier on, uh, young Dacos, he was just ending and then Dermot Brereton came for a season. I suppose you yep. couldn't help but uh, get some rub off from <clears throat> these absolute legends of the game. Yes, certainly got as much as I could and you know, I, I actually thought of myself being a really good listener and I wanted to take in as much as I could. So Dermot and Dakes, and, and when Dermot got there, certainly, you know, it was probably my best year that when he played uh, with me. So it was it was all great having those uh, older guys around. Absolutely fantastic. 
Um, <clears throat> let's talk about uh, the inaugural Anzac Day game. Uh, Kevin Sheedy had thought about it long and hard. They decided to give it a go. The crowds were there. They had to lock the gates. What are your first memories of 1995 when you actually was awarded the Anzac Day medal for the first time after kicking nine? But can you remember the build-up? Was it was it finals-like atmosphere? I, I can remember broadcasting. It was just amazing. It, it, it was like a grand final in April, Severio. We didn't think it was going to be that big. A lot of <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of players got there late. Um, didn't expect so much traffic. And yeah. I think we were supposed to be there like two hours before. We had guys rocking up, you know, 20, 30 minutes late to the ground. So that was the first thing that really made us realise that this was going to be a big event from here on in. And then, and then the rest of that day, and especially the game, I'd never heard um, a crowd so loud before. It was just enormous to hear, you know, crowds cheering. It was actually deafening. Goodness gracious me. And on that day, uh, you were teamed up against a very fine and uh, very great young man, Dustin Fletcher, who played 400 games at the highest level. But you gave him something to think about that day, uh, young man. Yes, we had a good day. and We seemed to always match up well against Essendon. Um, And the delivery of the ball was obviously, you know, to a high standard. So I I guess I did make the, the most of my opportunities. Yeah. I think before you, probably Peter McKenna and uh, you know and a couple of others like Doug Wade were just masters of the lead, you know, with blokes like Goggin for Geelong and Price for, for Collingwood out of the centre to McKenna. But then Plugger came along, you know, at nearly 100 kilos, and you came in along at 100 kilos. And my goodness me, you showed it. You didn't have to be that fine to lead. But once you get a metre on your opponent's sav, it's just about yibber to yibber and it's over. Yeah, we were good over 20, but um, not too much further than that. But it was, it was good to see that uh, you know back in the day the big guys could still get in there and play. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many hundred kilo players would be out there today. No, not really. Um, you know, in '95, the inaugural Anzac Day medal went to you. The Anzac Day game was just an absolute beauty. But you had a pretty good standout year. '93 for the year, <laughs> just just falling short of the magical hundred. Yes, I uh, was hoping was hoping to get there, um, and actually missed the first game of that season as well. So um, I look back at that sometimes and think, you know, where could I've gotten those extra seven? But you know, it was not meant to be, and that's how it ended up. Severio Rocker joins us for Tobin Brothers, uh, folks, and just let me tell you at this stage that the first Tobin Brothers branch opened in North Melbourne in these days is home to their head office and chapel, and today. Tobin Brothers Funerals is still owned by the Tobin family and is a trusted household name with 22 locations, over 190 trained professionals. Find out more at tobinbrothers.com.au. I've been interviewing a few old blokes over the last three years, Sav, and they get a bit nervous when I'm getting into the Tobin <laughs> Brothers. They say, what are you trying to do? Get us a discount funeral. But you've got plenty of time ahead of you. Uh, before we go on uh, you know, and, and, and talk a little bit more footy and we'll take a break and come back and talk about the exciting time, what are you doing now with your life? Um, just, you know, getting a few things here and there, trying to help our kids with their kicking, you know, kids coming up 13, 14, 15 year olds mainly. Um, and also an assistant coach at Kerry Grammar. So won our first game on the weekend, which was awesome. Oh, lovely. Uh, Sav, without being too simplistic, what are the guys doing wrong? You know, even as late as last weekend, I'm sitting there in the television. I wasn't a great kick, but I put a few through, not as many as you. But I just thought, just kick through it, son. They're stabbing at the ball. You know, Cloak kicks it out of bounds from 30 metres out. It's got to be above the shoulders, does it? You'd think that when you see that sort of stuff, you'd think that it would be above the shoulders. And and maybe guys are thinking too much about 
um, scoring a goal and kicking a goal and they're thinking about the result as opposed to... And, and the first thing that I say to a young kid when when I'm teaching him is, you give me the best possible technique 90% of the time and I'll tell you the result will look after itself. So just yeah. concentrate about your technique once the ball leaves the boot. If you've done your correct technique, whether it goes through or not, we'll worry about that later. But just give me the right technique and I'll tell you the rest will will, will, uh, will come through. I reckon the 18 club should get hold of that and play it to them because it's, uh, you're not trying to invent the, the, the wheel here, are you, Sav? No, and I think, you know, people can also look you know, outside of technique, you know, whether it's, you know, hypnotherapy or whether it's, you know, you know, the psychology side of things, I think that can play also a big part of it. Yeah, in 1998, again, another Anzac medal. You seem to really set yourself for these big games. One of the biggest moves in history was when the Magpies, uh, you know, left Victoria Park. What are your memories uh, of those days? Like Victoria Park, there was sellout, sellout, and then you came to the creme de la creme, the MCG. Yeah, I actually wanted to keep playing at Victoria Park. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought, you know, having the crowd more on our side would, you know, obviously be an advantage to us. Um, and it was a, probably a little bit disappointing for me. I don't know how a lot of the other guys felt. Obviously, you're going to get a bigger crowd at, at the MCG. But, um, you know, I, I wish we had have played a little bit more and maybe, you know, upgraded the grounds or the stands and did something like that. Severio Rocker has joined us, folks, and Relays, take your break because out of the break, we continue on with the marvellous career and times of Severio Rocker, one of the all-time greats. And when the history is written, the big Savile Oil take his rightful place in the history of our game. So as I said, uh, break time, Relays. And uh, if you'd like to listen to more of this, check us out on Twitter at Rex Footy Life. This is your football life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating the footy life of the big Savile Oil. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Yeah, Matty, we're certainly celebrating the great football life of Saverio Rocker and it's lovely to have the big man on board. Uh, in 1999, the Magpies bottomed out and uh, Tony Shaw lost his job for Mick Malthouse. Uh, you were battling knee and groin injuries, and uh, it was, to say, a frustrating year. You know, you managed 24 games, but uh, your goal return wasn't up to your high standard. Yeah, it was a little bit disappointing, Um, you know, just with a couple of injuries coming through and and towards the end of the year. I thought I was getting over those, but, you know, it was just one of those things that I couldn't get over. Goodness gracious me. how hard was it to swallow when you found out you were going to be delisted to the club that was just your footy life? Yeah, it was uh, it was really hard. You know, a young kid, I pretty much looked up um, to a lot of players there and a lot of people in the you know in the hierarchy, and, and I pretty much called it home at that time, and it was and it was really disappointing. Um, came home and you know felt sorry for myself for a little while, but then you know picked yourself up and you know. Wasn't sure whether another opportunity would come and, and, you know, just was feeling real down in the dumps. My word. Uh, But uh, when one door slams in your face, another door opens, whether you go through it or not. And uh, the Kangaroos took you at pick 30 in the 2000 National Draft and 
tell us your immediate thoughts. Uh, was there a sense of urgency? Was there a sense of what am I doing here when you walked into Arden Street? Because you're walking into some pretty strange territory after your home was with the black and white. Yeah, it was a, a little bit strange, but felt really comfortable um, right from day one, you know, meeting the guys and meeting the coaches and, and walking through the old change rooms. It just felt like going back to local football, um, just, you know, real real genuine guys down there, and it was, and it was good fun. I enjoyed my time at uh, North and, and uh, really cherished it. Yeah, and, and did, did you have the same sort of ability to attract passes or was it more of a long kicking game to a big marking uh, young rocker? Or did they sort of, uh, you know, you played alongside the great Wayne Carey. It was a pretty fair side. Yeah, it was when we were both out there. Wayne uh, was, was hurt a lot, but um, Pagan's Paddock, I loved it. You know, get the ball in long and get it in deep and... You know, I absolutely love that sort of football and, and it suited me down to a tee. We'll get on to the punting in a moment and get across to the USA. Uh, but uh, when did the when did the thought of uh, going across and trying out first come up, come up in your mind or were you approached? The very first time was when I was delisted uh, from Collingwood. I went over to America and had one tryout um, and it didn't go too well. Um, probably because I didn't have enough preparation and, and was really at a time of life when I didn't know what was coming next and, and stuff. And then I decided to come back, got picked up by North, and then we went uh, six years with North. And then towards the end of my career there, I thought, um, you know, I'm, I might want to give it a shot. I don't want to die wondering if I could yeah. have made it. You know, I knew that Ben had been there and, and you know, Darren had been over. Um, so I thought, you know, why not give it a shot? So I started halfway throughout the season here, just kicking, you know, a couple of days here and there. And, and then, yeah, once I retired from here, I had uh, a tryout set up over there like three days after my retirement. Mm. So I pretty much was on a plane then the next day and, and flew over and had a, a workout with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Sav, it's a different type of ball, isn't it? Like it's a pointier ball, but it doesn't seem that uh, that soft sort of cowhide to me when I touch it. It's a, is it a difficult ball to to punt? Yeah, the sweet spot is definitely a little a little bit smaller. The point, it's almost the same size. The points are narrower, so kicking drop punt is a little difficult because if you get that on the end of your toe, you certainly know about that. But um. Yeah, it is a little bit more difficult kicking that ball. But once you do get onto it, it does travel further just because obviously it's got narrower points. For those people uninitiated, and I'm probably one of them, uh, what was the tryout? What does that involve that you spoke about, you know, a couple of times, you know, six years apart? And what is the true job of a punter? And, and why are Australian rules players so, so wanted over there because of their kicking prowess, I suppose? Yeah, in the early days, it was um, probably because we have grown up since young kids kicking a ball, as opposed to the kids over there have grown up wanting to be a quarterback and are throwing the ball. And then a lot of quarterbacks actually, you know, 10, 15 years ago who didn't make it, because obviously you can't all be a quarterback, came back and thought, okay, I can't be a quarterback. What am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to punt the ball. So generally, punters weren't very good uh, 10, 15 years ago. but And that's why they liked Aussie guys coming in because we had a strong leg and we could kick the ball a long way. Um, and, and, you know, 
when we went to workouts, you know, our leg was powerful. We we generally could direct the ball where they wanted it um, to the sidelines because, you know, we obviously pass the ball a lot. And, and they see that skill in us and are very impressed from pretty much day one. Yeah. Um, so, so you're always a very, very good kick as a young man and, and kick it to the Scheisenhausen. There's no doubt about that. But, but we'll get back to your goal kicking. Sometimes you can actually kick the ball too hard at the goals. If you were lining up today, not so much with your physical ability, but with your mental ability, just talk us through 30 metres out. You have to kick a goal after the siren to win. What do you pick out? Do you pick out anything? Do you put your head down an extra time? Take us through it because I, like so many others watching the game, Sav, just can't understand how these blokes can miss from point-blank range. Yeah, I, uh, I pretty much had a set routine towards the end of my career and I... If I ever had to kick now, I'd pretty much do the same thing. I like, you know, having a spot on the ground where I know I'm going to kick from. And and when I'm back, you know, at the furthest point, I generally, once I line myself up to that spot on the ground, uh, to where I want the ball to go behind the ground, that's all I look at. I look at the spot. I don't look at the goals. I don't look at the guy jumping around on the mark. I don't look at anything else. So if I know that I run in a straight line to that spot on the ground, I'm going in the right direction Yeah. where I want it. And it's always, um, and it's always in straight lines. I don't like, you know, long sweeps with your kick across the body and, you know, you can keep everything in a straight line and it's generally going to go, you know, straight. Severio Rocker joins us on This Is Your Footy Life and we're just absolutely delighted that the big man can join us. Uh, you, in, in your era, it was a, just a commentator's delight for me to go along and, you know, Ablett and uh, Dunstall and Lockett and then Severio Rocker and Modra, that sort of thing. That's all gone now. We don't have the true full forwards and full backs. But uh, every week you came up against a household name that would stand OK as, as a great fullback. So it was never, ever easy. But people went to see the clash of the fullback and the full forward. Yes, there were certainly times, you know, when people went and saw that. But now it's... You know, when you know you speak to to forwards these days, and you ask them, okay, who's a fullback that's going to be playing on you? And they give you three or four names that you know might play on you. It's like you know, you know at some stage of the ha- I'll have this guy, and then they'll switch over to this guy, and it's just a continual movement with with players and their defenders these days. It's it's not your man, it's our man. Okay, uh, before we let you go, Severio, I've got just three or four questions off the top of your head. Just give us the yeah. immediate answer that comes in uh, to yeah. your mind. My absolute favourite food is? Oh, lasagna. Oh, why not? When I get around to it, I will. Go fishing. Wow. My all-time <laughs> favourite movie is? Braveheart. Oh, wonderful, with Mel Gibson. If I had a million dollars to spend in just one day, I would buy? Um, <laughs> a fishing rod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a nice boat. A nice boat. Well, tell you, let yeah. me tell you, it will be a nice boat. <clears throat> Pardon me. And to my mind, the greatest Australian footballer of all time is? Uh, Wayne Kerry. Well, there you are. Just amazing. It's been great to uh, have some time with you. I've got time enough now to ask you. If you were asked for one moment or one game or one afternoon that will set in your mind forever till the day you take your last breath on the footy field, what game was it? It would have been the the 95 Anzac game. And just run that through again, the first Anzac Day game. I think it was a drawn game, wasn't it? 
yeah, it was drawn, and and we didn't want it to be drawn. You know, obviously yeah. you have mixed feelings, but you know, looking back at it today, there's no better fit for that game. No, and uh, you kicked nine and won the medal, so that's a pretty good memory. And just before I let you go, just another one from left field. They've just recently announced, you know, that there'll be no replay of grand finals. Of course, there's no replay of finals or games anymore. Yep. Uh, are you comfortable with that? Because, as you said, you're disappointed on the draw on Anzac Day. You want a, want a result when you get out in the car. You've got to say, oh, it was OK, it was no good. We just need a result? I think so. Um you know, you don't want to get also get hurt in that game and then come back and not really play in the, the next game. So I reckon let's resolve it that day. You know, go for an extra 10 minutes and see what the score is. Well, the big save, you gave me so much enjoyment on the 3RW commentary team and it's great to catch up with you and uh, I do wish you and your family well for the future and we thank you for your time in celebrating your footy life today, Severio Rocker. Thank you. Just absolutely magnificent. And if you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, Check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or yibbity yibbity folks, you can follow us on Twitter at Rex Footy Life. And this has been This Is Your Football Life with Severia Rocker. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Celebrating Lives.